Welcome to episode 13 of the Two in the Authors podcast. My name is David B. Lyons. And my name is Robert Enright. And on today's show, we are going to be delving into the mindset that we have adopted to become full-time independent authors. Uh, and that's before we tackle a mailbag question sent in by one of you awesome listeners. Uh, we also have a fascinating time travel indie author, Adrian Cousins, to come along to sit in our indie author hot seat to face our dreaded seven questions, David. Um, mm-hmm. But before that, uh, we'll begin, as we always do, uh, by discussing the week that was. So how has your week been? It's been nice and relaxing. I've had a, a relaxing time of it since we returned to work um, for this year, 2023. Um, it's probably because I don't have a novel ongoing at the moment, so everything is a bit more um, relaxing in my brain. So this week I sort of took a look at A Plus content, which I know you're a big fan of, Robert. Mm. Um, well. at, uh, oh, you are you sort of wavering on that or you haven't? I'm having some issues with it, that's all. Oh, you're having some issues <laughs> with it. Um, it's something we, we'll delve into in uh, a future episode. So I'm still sort of stewing A-plus content. Um, I'm also plotting out a little novella uh, follow-up for one of my books, uh, Whatever Happened to Betsy Blake. My readers have always been at me to find out what happened next. So I'm just going to do a short story uh, for them. Yeah, it's a little something, a little... A a show of appreciation to my readers, uh, the the loyal ones, because I think I've sort of deviated from them a little bit in writing different types of books. Um, so that's for them. So yeah, I've had a relaxing weekend week, but more so than my week, I want to talk about yours, Robert, because you posted something up in the two in the authors mm. Facebook group that has been fizzing in my brain for the past four or five days <laughs> since you posted up. What the hell happened? So, so I just want to um, do it now because I've had a couple of people reach out to me because I obviously posted it on my personal Facebook as well, and then I shared it in the in the um, two in the authors one. It was right. never. Uh, it's not a witch hunt. I've had a couple of people message me privately saying, who was the author? Let me know. And I'm like, what are you, you going to do? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, obviously, because they're obviously quite loyal readers. Oh, so, re- readers, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, not my mates. My mates yeah. don't care. They find it hysterical that I get trolled. Um, <laughs> but ba- basically what happened is I have an ad, a very successful ad that's been running, um, and the copy's slightly outdated now. But it says, it starts off saying over 100,000 copies sold across 90 countries. Um have you read and then i have like a quote from one of the reviews which is saying like you know every jack reacher fan should read this and it's got the picture of all my books on it it's a very successful ad it's done very well well. you don't want to put your successful ad obviously no and that's it is it's got outdated copy on it as well like outdated copy and an outdated image but i just i will not turn it off yeah but every now and then i'll just get some i mean the only word i can use david is knobhead who will say something like doesn't hold a candle to reacher or looks crap or oh that's only one that's only just 1000 copies per country and i'm like yeah i haven't sold a thousand copies in like one of those countries one of yeah. those countries probably got one book sold in it but it's yeah. just it's advertising come on yes and usually i get these i get one a week probably 
And this week I got one from someone just saying, name the 90 countries then. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Some some idiot. And then he had like a proper, like, he had like an author looking photo, like a black and white professionally taken photo. So I clicked on it and it was an author. Um, and it was like, oh, he sold millions of books, this guy. And then I had, to, I just looked a little bit deeper and deeper. And it's like, they're all self-published. One of them was published like 10 years ago. The first in the series. It's in a similar genre. And it's only got like 600 re- reviews or ratings in right. like 10 years. Um, and I sound like a knob here. I've never heard of the name. And I've been quite heavily involved in the yes. that genre on, on and Amazon. In the community as a whole for the last five years, yeah. Yeah, so I was just like, oh, okay. So that's just someone lashing out. So the reason I posted that picture of it is I actually got to a point where like I pulled up like my Kobo dashboard. I pulled up, because I used to be on Kobo, where I sold yeah. across all these countries, pulled up my Amazon dashboard. I started pulling images together, um, and I was going to send them to him personally, saying, there you go, in yeah. your face. And you got a nubhead. And then, yeah, and then I was like, no. And then I started writing out another one saying, like, you know, as a as a fellow independent author, especially one who claims to have sold millions, you should be looking to pull other authors up. Like, you shouldn't be looking to try and step down. And then in the end, I thought, it's just not worth it. Because what what impact would that have on me? Like, am I going to go, yeah. hey, I got you. So I just deleted it. <laughs> well, you, I just deleted you, it. You are a better man than me because I think I, w- I, I think I would have to bite because um, I'm, I'm so stubborn. But um, that's interesting. So what a, what a weird question to ask you. Name the 90 countries. First of all, Robert was a wide author um, a couple of times. And when yeah. you're a wide author, like I was, I was very, um, for a very short amount of time, about two or three months, you would get a map which shows you which countries you are selling books in. And yet mm. you might have only sold two books in Oman or somewhere mm. like that. <laughs> but that still counts as one of your 90, right? It does, yeah. It's of and, it's, and the thing is, you got you have to use whatever's available to you to to make yourself stand out. So it's just yeah. it was just one of those things where I could have reacted badly. It could have become something, and I was just like, what benefit would it be to me to 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 go back to it and yeah react to it? So that was why I posted it in there. It wasn't to to garner sympathy. Like I put it in my my Facebook group, and I got quite a lot of people. It was, it was quite nice actually. Like a lot of readers are saying like, "Oh, we love your books." Like ignore this guy, like and all this. But I was just the only reason I put it in the two indie authors um, community is because I just thought it was a good example of some of the the crap you will get. Yeah, and just how you know cooler heads prevail at the end of the day so well if people like you when you when if you are running advertisements that um in which you compare yourself to jack reacher you're opening yourself up to people going yeah this isn't jack reacher or you mm-hmm. know because if you're making that comparison the readers are going to make that comparison as well so you you understand and, and i get that as well when when i make some sensationist headlines in my advertisement i expect yeah. a little bit of um restraint to it but you don't expect it from a fellow indie no that's the thing that's the thing that's why i nearly reacted as i said i get, yeah. I get it from people who will say it all the time i think okay cool deleted yeah i'm not having that on yeah. my paid advert and yeah. but the thing is, is as a fellow indie we've made the point on this podcast we're not competing with each other so like i i the, the ad i'm talking about i put that ad out over a year ago now and that's the one that was kind of like rocket fuel to getting my sales up. Yeah. 
and I'm not going to lie, I've seen five or six other authors in my kind of bubble who have now got marketing very similar. Yeah. But it's like fair play. like Inspired by, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like my A-plus content, which you mentioned earlier, my A-plus content is very heavily modelled on another successful author's A-plus content. Because the second I saw it, I was like, that looks fantastic. I want something like that. Yeah. I don't want that. I want something like it. But yeah, yeah you just don't expect a fellow indie author to jump on your ad and try and dig you out. So... No, not, and especially not when we have repeated again and again uh, in this podcast how helpful and supportive the in the author community is. I can only say, as you would, it's similar advice you would give to a fourteen-year-old who came in and said they were bullied at school. You would say, "Well, the bully. Um, it's not about you. It's yeah. about the bully. This is their own issue." And I bet that's the exact same with this author. So, well, there we go. It's been an eventful week <laughs> that was so uh david we were just speaking then obviously about how i handled uh, that situation um with the person who posted on my ad and i guess it sort of segues quite nicely into the talking point for this week which is about the mindset uh required to basically do what we do um yeah like an all-encompassing mindset um that's allowed us to become full-time independent authors um so what as we do with these topics sort of broken it down into different areas um so from your like a mindset perspective like how do you sort of approach the technology side of being an independent author yeah that is a really good question so i mean i guess in, if you can get your head around the technology mm. and how the technology allows us to have this career, um, you can get your mindset into the, the right place. So I, I would start off the answer to that by sort of repeating what I said in an earlier episode, or I probably said it in earlier episodes, plural. <laughs> but um, And I know you agree with me on this topic, but, but gatekeepers are dead, right? So we, we've spoken about this agency work or middlemen are sort of a dying breed because we can all now reach an audience from our own home. Yeah, so a laptop on our laps, um, I can sell thousands of books. Um, I don't need a publishing arm and I don't need an agent and I don't need a WH Smiths. And, you know, all these sort of traditional gatekeepers are dying a slow death because people from their own home, and I'm not just even talking about authors here, any sort of industry, the old traditional gatekeepers are dead because there is no barrier anymore between the person who creates a product and the audience for that product yeah and um, so so w once we can get our head around that uh, our mentality around that fact well then technology just becomes our best friend as much as we love and hate technology and i've just written a trilogy uh, based <laughs> on how much we hate it but um you, you know it, it, we can reach the audience ourselves we can format books ourselves we can have them edited ourselves we can market them ourselves and the technology allows us to do that so um, allowing that to seep into your mind is key. The te technology is our friend in this regard. And 
it, it, it allows us to not just be authors but be publishers and marketeers and you know book formatters we we can do all of the things that um 20 years ago you just would not have been able to do and you needed about four or five different gatekeepers in order to achieve what we can achieve from our laps i think that's um absolutely spot on and a really good mindset to get into that you're saying there's like understanding that because we've spoken about um uh, we both had publishing deals before we we went um indie and i i remember um the first time i met a publisher for for my doorways book i was so excited because you're trained to think like well there's no other way in yeah like there's, there's no other way to do this um and I'd already gone indie with one of my, my first book before I had this publishing deal. So I was like in my head thinking like, well, I did the indie thing. I obviously didn't do it correctly and it didn't work. But now I'm getting a publisher because that's what I need to unlock all these doors. Yeah. And you know, they say absolutely all the right things about like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And obviously, you know, we've covered it on this, this podcast before. That was all, you know, bullshit. Excuse my language. But... <laughs> But I didn't have that mindset then. I, I was of that mindset of I need these gatekeepers because they 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 hold the keys to to, to this dream that I have. And I think yeah. you're right there. Is once you understand that that's not the case anymore, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the the possibilities are, are limitless. For literally a whole world, literally a whole world of opportunity opens up for you when you when you when you get through that psychology, and this is a psychology I didn't know or understand seven years ago. It's all yep. just brand new in my head as well. And um, but once once you once it triggers in your head, you sort of you know there's no looking back. There's no going back. That's addictive. Yeah, it's an evolution. And what you're talking there about, you know, meeting that gatekeeper or that publisher and getting really excited. I've had the exact same experience. Um, that's a conditioning, mm-hmm. isn't it? We've conditioned to think we needed that gatekeeper in order to sell books until we realized otherwise. And, you know, our generation, well, we're, well, I'm a little bit older than you, but our, our generation who have lived half our lives without technology and then half of it with, say, for example, our jobs really is to shake off all of the conditioning that we underwent for the first half of our lives and assuming this is what you needed and, you know, this is how life is because life has just changed dramatically ever since the the birth of the technological revolution, which I put down to 2008, which is when I had my first smartphone in my pocket. That's mm. For me, that's when the world changed because I had every encyclopedia ever written <laughs> resting inside my jeans pocket yeah the world changed and um, so we have to shred that um conditioning and open our minds and our eyes up to the technology which allows anybody of in any industry really um to open up their own independent business from their own homes yeah and just to to add on to that the but gatekeepers who are who have been in place they will still try and knock down that's why you get the whole thing of like oh but self-publishing isn't really publishing or oh an indie author isn't really an established author um yeah because their businesses depend on it essentially doesn't it they're they're, they're, there to be gatekeepers so if people were jumping over that gate without you know needing them yeah they're gonna sort of 
throw shade on on that side of it and once yeah, you well, adapt to actually no i'm actually a business owner and I, I do this you know without the need of it it's a it's a huge thing to get your head around and technology the technology is there to do it um i would say from a mindset perspective for technology you need to have an open mind yeah um i think you see probably a lot of people who say like i'm an author i don't do spreadsheets or i don't do websites and i'm just a words on a page kind of guy exactly and that's that's absolutely fine I, i look at myself as an author first but i'm also you know i have a business now that i need to run and i think you're you'd be incredibly naive to think that you're going to be that one in a million person who just writes a book, doesn't do all of this stuff and sells a million. Yeah. While we're talking about technology, on that point you raise about, I just want to be an author. Mm. Um, I don't want to run a business. Again, with technology, um, if you don't like doing a certain aspect of the business you can outsource that yeah because the technology allows you to hook up with people I've got um, a guy who lives in the Philippines who does all my um, creative artwork you know for my ads and my A plus content he's working on at the moment and anything visual he does and I outsource it uh, I, I outsource my accounting because I don't like that so Same. there are parts of them yeah there are parts of the business um, that you may not like because I, 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 my brain unlike yours Robert I can't deal with Excel sheets and figures and all that mm. kind of thing I'm a bit numb in the brain when it comes to that so I outsource that type of thing um, so I love parts of the business that aren't putting words on the page I love coming up with ad concepts and, and all this other creative part of being a publisher um, so you will find that there are parts that really work for your brain and parts that aren't but because it is technology and the modern world we live in you can outsource any part or section of that yeah and and if you're going into it like there are people i i you know i spent a decade in systems and data analytics i think i bored everyone with that before <laughs> so but you know part of my job for a decade was here's a new system we're bringing in make it work for us so yeah. Yeah, you know, if I get oh, okay, cool. I need to set up a mailing list. I've never done a mailing list before. I, email marketing to me was like learning Russian. Like I'd never done marketing or anything. Yeah. So, okay, I I, I went at it with an open mind. It's okay. It's got automation. How do I do that? They got a library of um, guides and videos on how to do it, and it's just having that open mind instead of immediately going, I don't know how to do this. I'm not a tech uh, like a, a technology like whiz kid whiz yeah yeah if you're going out with an open mind i go okay well these things are here to help there's guides there's videos there's youtube there's the author community that you can reach out to um i just think technology scares a lot of people because it seems so different to like writing a book yeah i think you know there's some imperative things to get to where we've got to david there's been ones that we you know we rely on like mm-hmm. the facebook ads platform amazon ads platform mailing yeah. list platforms things like vellum yeah but yeah mainstays but we've approached them all to learn how to do them so it allows us to do what we do now for a living so yeah. the only way we would have been able to do that is by well either not being afraid of it or facing the fear of doing it yeah well you make a great point 
And I think it's it's a steep learning curve for some of the things. Like I'm still trying to get my head around Amazon ads. They are ticking along, but I want to get them yeah. better. But Ditto. the only way I can do that is by getting a bit more under the hood when I have the time and dedicating a bit of time to it. So yeah, I think that's a key one to add on to your your excellent point about you know, getting your head around the gatekeepers not being there because technology allows us to do it. Yeah. I'd say you need to approach that technology with an open mind because I'd say it's almost guaranteed you're going to need to use some of it. Yeah, absolutely. You make a great point there. I know you want to move on to another um, section of mentality here, but just to highlight your point of having an open mind when it comes to technology, the truth is the technology is only a baby. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue to evolve. So you have to have an open mind because it's going to change. How we market our books today is going to be totally different in three years from now. Mm-hmm. And we might be using similar platforms, but the, the process is going to change and it's going to evolve. So if there's, if there's people listening to this podcast who are, say, in their 60s or 70s and are thinking about writing their first book and they think, oh, I don't, I don't have to learn all of this stuff from scratch. And the truth is, there's no real difference between a 20-year-old and a 70-year-old learning it because it's all brand new and mm-hmm. we're all learning it from scratch. So um, it, don't be put off by it um, and there's no, don't feel any stress or pressure to have mastered it um, straight away. It's all an evolutionary process and as Robert says, you have to go into it with an open mind because it's constantly going to change and evolve. Yeah. Um absolutely uh you did say i did want to move on i do want to move on um from the technology uh side of the mindset is more to the psychology of um approaching becoming an independent author um yeah which i know it's something you're quite like keen on and quite hot on so for you what does that what does that look like yeah, the psychology is probably the most fascinating. Well, it's probably the most fascinating subject we can ever talk about. But um, it, it, the truth is, and you sort of touched upon it already, you're not just an author when you're an independent author. You are an independent business. Mm. So you need to, you need you definitely need to get your your head around that. Um, here's the thing we. Life is short, right? This is going to sound like a, a lecture now, or I'm a, a preacher. Here he you is, can lecturer choose, David here, here I am. <laughs> you can. You, 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 the truth is, from twenty to sixty-five years of age. Uh, this is the conditioning again, that, and the traditionalisms that we've all evolved to believe. But between twenty and sixty-five years of age, you're supposed to work, um, and you're supposed to be doing forty hours a week, nine to five. Um, and in actual fact, you will spend more time awake Monday to Friday in work than you will not in work, right? So you have to get across this psychology thing. Who the hell came up with that idea, right? Uh. Who said it has to be a five-day working week? And who says it has to be an eight-hour working day? All these, again, conditionings and, and traditionalisms. So the gatekeepers that we talked about earlier on being dead, I think... the. They're not the only ones dying. Um, there are the idea of that conditioning is crumbling now, right? Because the next generation behind us, the twenty-year-olds that I talk about, I don't think their their daughters, for example, um, Robert, when they get a little bit older, they're not going to want to be employed, are they? No. 
and they're going to look at the world and think, well, I can, you know, I can run my own business now. I can, I can do whatever I want. I can choose my laneway and do it. So getting a, the psychology of being of understanding that you can do this is key, but mm-hmm. it's that is much easier said than done for an awful lot of people. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think it's just you know the, the working world is the way it is, and I do think it is changing. Um, I need to go to your thing. It's a, we always go back to this point of it is a business. Yeah, and it's always so tricky to tread that line because you know being an author is like this creative process and it's so far removed from you know suit and tie stuff shirts in a corporate boardroom which is what you associate with the word business isn't it normally but so the two things are so like juxtaposed but but it is a business and i always go back to the the coffee analogy this is like my psychology of it is when i started doing this properly is if you the coffee shop analogy which is you know say you make the best flat white right yeah on the spot every time bam best flat white you're ever going to drink bam you can't just build a business off that yeah. Like no one's just going to, you need to have a good premises. You would need to have the right equipment. You would need to be able to get the word out there. So people come to it. You have to deal with all the suppliers because you're probably not growing your own coffee beans or milking your own cow and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, uh, but if you were setting up that coffee shop, you would expect to have to do all that stuff and you would expect to have to invest the money into it. Yeah. So this is where you have to marry that idea up with the whole, you know, beautiful dream of sitting down and writing a book and doing all that. And I think the quicker you can merge those two together, the better you get to like going back to the stuff we spoke about before about technology is that would help you open your mind to that stuff because you'd be like, oh, actually, I actually have to do this because yeah. I want this business to survive. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, psychologically, there's a big difference between just being an author. Because you can, So to anyone listen to this and all they want to do is write a book, then more power to you. For those who are listening who are, I would like to be doing it for a living, or I am doing it for a living, they probably have this mentality. And if not, they yeah. should be trying to cultivate that that look from the all aspects of the the indie author business they should be looking at it in that way yeah in my opinion oh absolutely yeah they need to be well there's definitely a psychological hurdle or barrier that we have to cross in in order to realize that this can be done and how it can be done yeah um so i think i just touched on the word there i said mentality which i think is slightly different to like the psychology of looking at your business the mental my my take on it is the mentality is how i am how i'm wired um, yeah approaching it so for me i i've always gone by the notion that i i'm a good writer i'm not a great writer um but i always told myself when i started this i'll be the hardest working author out right there. yeah like I would outwork most people. And it goes back to a um, 
very cheesy saying, but one that I think is very apt, which is um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard enough. Yeah. Um, I'm probably doing myself a bit of a, you know, a disservice there because I've written loads of books. They've all got good ratings and I have really loyal readers and that's You're lovely. You're definitely doing yourself a disservice there, but I, we totally understand but, and respect the but point. But what I'm saying yeah. is I'm not... I'm not like an academic person. I don't think, you know, my books don't have like a meaning. I don't, you know, focus on hot topics or anything. I write pure escapism fiction. I'm good at yeah. it. Yeah. Enough to be able to do it for a living. But in my head, it's, I have to, you know, I will just be the, the most, the hardest working person there. That's why when, you know, I'll, I'll sit and write a book in six weeks if I have the opportunity or yeah. I'll sit up the other the other evening. I'm trying to resuscitate my old series, the Bermuda Jones one. So I sat and I did a load of research into Amazon keywords and I was sat for like two hours one night, literally just going through Amazon um, categories, who the top authors were, getting their book names, getting their ASINs then doing the same for their you know authors who read this author yeah. do that and I've, i built a spreadsheet up of about 25 different authors and then i built all the ads because in my head is like well if i don't do it now it's not going to get done so yeah um that that's how i go to and the only reason i get that to that one um, i'm going on a little bit here is i think the thing that holds a lot of people back from doing this sort of stuff and this mentality is I don't think people are that are completely honest with themselves about the level of effort they're putting in or the level of commitment that they're either giving to writing the book or to themselves to, to, to do the book. Like they'll always come up with excuses yeah. to, to not do it or something happened and they just, oh, I just need to take a day off yeah. or something. And, yeah. you know, I saw it a lot when I was working in offices, you know, pe- people expected a pat on the back and a, and a big reward just for turning up to work. Yes. Yeah, but that's their job, like, yeah, you're expected to be here. Yeah, and you're being paid to do that. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is, is yeah, y- y- your reward will reflect your effort. Um, and I think people, if people are honest with themselves about oh could i could i sacrifice watching an extra episode a night to give myself an extra hour of writing yeah could 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 i get up half hour earlier to to do something like things like that so i think that that's yeah. from a mentality standpoint i know you're I dead right the, the thing about mentality though is um you have to somehow become aware of your mentality mm. So there are folk who just don't become aware of it and therefore it doesn't necessarily exist. So the fact that you have thought it through and you understand your mentality, that's such a victory. That's a massive win. Um, and I'm similar. I have thought it through. I understand where I'm at. I, under, I understand um, what I try to write and how I try to market and, and what I want my business to be and what my work ethic needs to be. In fact... An awful lot of the attraction to this career for me is that there is no major work ethic. <laughs> the, the biggest, the biggest attraction to me is that there is no pressure. But I think that's you doing me. yourself a disservice. The, the there's no work ethic. 
Uh, you've got ten. You've got ten critically acclaimed books and a, a yeah. profitable business of it. I think your thing about the pressure is is there. Yeah, you're not, you don't have a, a more valid point. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't have a boss breathing down your neck or yeah, someone watching not, the time. I'm, I'm not an eight hours a, a day kind of guy. Mm. Um, and there's all this big mental debate going on inside my head of um, if I'm just thinking, am I working? You know what I mean? Because we're creative. So at some point you have to be thinking through plot and you yeah. know, character and, and what's going to happen in your books. And even you can be inspired by watching Netflix or another drama series or this something. Is, so so is, am I working when I'm watching Netflix? This is just, <laughs> this is just my you. mentality. This is just you <laughs> trying to get some justification for the amount of Netflix you watch. That's what the, this is. The, the That's what this whole podcast time. has been about. That's what this whole podcast has been about the whole time. <laughs> you're so right. Um, but I get but you. Yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying about the, especially the pressure bit. Not having someone oh you i didn't sit down on my laptop till 10 past nine this morning no one's going to say to me you're late yes do you know what i mean exactly so you're supposed you're supposed to have done two thousand words today robert you've only done a thousand yeah there's Mm -hmm. nobody uh saying things like that to you and this is going to sound bad and arrogant for me but i have such an open relationship with my readers uh, I'm happy for them to email me, reach out to me on Facebook, through Messenger, anything. I will get back to them. I will always mm. make a point of getting back to them. Except when they text me or email me saying, when's the next book out? <laughs> <laughs> because I do not want that pressure, if you know what I mean. I, I have this business because I don't want anybody to say, when's the deadline? Oh, see, I'm doing myself a, any more to me uh, by, by getting books out quickly like I have been doing I'm setting myself up a dangerous precedent and I <laughs> yeah maybe yeah yeah <laughs> but no, my ideas come out more rapidly initially but yeah I just don't want nobody's my boss if you know what I mean yeah no, and that's so the, I don't, that's I don't want exactly it. it yeah and, and that's part of, a big part of the mentality and um, but as I said, it's it's understanding your own mentality is yeah. most of the battle when it comes to having the, the mental awareness to be successful at this type of career or any independent career. Yeah. And I think being honest, an honest appraisal of how how much you're giving it um, yeah. and understanding what works for you mentality wise. I think if you can look at both of those things and get to a sort of conclusive answer then the rest of the things we've spoken about like approaching the technology and the other side of the business if you understand how you work for yourself not for your boss or for the company you work for how you work for yourself if you can understand that then the other bits will fall in place for you very true very well surmised now this brings us to our mail bag part of the mm-hmm. show, Robert. Um, this week, Oscar Soderberg, um, one of our listeners who has asked a question before, mm-hmm. has asked a second. Now let's see how you would tackle this one. Oscar is asking, um, I was wondering if you guys only focus on ebooks or if you do paperbacks, hardbacks, and audiobooks too. 
and if you do do you market them separately how would you answer oscar there robert uh so i i have three formats for my books i do ebooks paperback and audiobooks um i haven't got hardbacks so they're on my list but they're not high up my list for this mm-hmm. year um purely because i my business f- heavily focuses on ebooks um it's the yeah. majority of my sales by a clear clear um either page reads or ebook sales is a massive is is dominates my income um audiobooks is doing well but i don't really market to them um i only market to um my ebooks and usually the first in my series um but on the amazon page obviously you have the option for a paperback or for the audiobook um and and the reason why for me i'm a I look at this, you know, we've already been discussing it as a business and it's a digital business. It's an online business that I have essentially. Um, and there's no um, delay in an ebook. So if you buy a paperback, if you buy a paperback online, um, you got to wait how many days for it to arrive. Whereas an ebook, if you're on your tablet or on your phone buying it, you can buy it and then start reading it instantly. And I feel that's much what most people expect nowadays like the netflix generation isn't it it's, it's i want it instantly so um and the, and the markup is better for an ebook mm-hmm. um like the profit margin there's no cost for, to you there's yeah there, there's a file transfer like of like 2p or whatever from amazon yeah and they're as cut. opposed to a paperback just to make it clear you have to spend about three or four pounds for the printing yeah and process. that comes off yeah it's free royalty so so yeah. um so that that's my answer is that I, I i predominantly only focus mainly on that i'd like to be better at marketing my audio books um yeah but uh ebooks is my main one um david i i think you're similar but because you, you have your alex by bi- uh biography book you have yeah. a slightly different look take on this don't you that's a good point yeah um because i have sort of 10 fiction no nine fiction books and then one non-fiction uh biography of alec ferguson and they sell totally differently mm. and and i assumed when i was writing the alex book i think oh well this will take off like my fiction book does i will reach out to manchester united fans on facebook and they'll download it on ebook not necessarily case that book tends to sell a lot in paperback or hardback as opposed to to answer Oscar's question um, directly, in my fiction stuff where about eighty to eighty five percent of my sales are ebook, mm. and that makes sense because what we're essentially doing, Rob and I and and other successful fellow indies, is we are marketing our books digitally. So on Facebook or Amazon, where literally our consumer only has to push their thumb against the button, and they're downloading our book. As opposed to old school conditions, traditional um, ways of marketing of like putting your book, a picture of your book on a bus stop or, you know, in the London tube station or something where people have to then see it. They say on an average about eight times before they go, I think I might buy that book. And then they have to make their way into WH Smith or Waterstones or wherever and pick it up. So it's a totally different mentality um, where we are marketing digitally and they press a button and it's in their phone or on their Kindle or iPad in a matter of a split second. 
Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for that to be the bones of your business, Oscar, if you're setting up an independent auto business yourself. Um, but the Alex book tends to be more of a, a gift product and a book that people want a hard copy of. So uh, in total contrast, about 80% of my sales in uh, on that book are hard copies oh wow Um. so to Oscar and then to anybody else in this business you have to figure out in in which format it, does my consumer consume their books and then sell them that way accordingly uh, but it would be remiss of us to not say that because it's a digital business selling them digitally and marketing marketing them digitally is is how we make our money This brings us to the seven questions feature and I am delighted today because we have fascinating time travel independent author Adrian Cousins with us. Adrian, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here and it's great to meet you. I just I love the shows. I think they're really good. Um, oh, I think the other day you said something about being normal guys, if you're not offended by being called normal. Absolutely. Um, but, um, it's, it's just nice <laughs> to, to listen to a couple of guys who are further down the track than me uh, are just chatting around, you know, the, the industry and what you're doing. So, yeah, absolutely love it. Really good. Oh, lovely. We appreciate the compliments and we appreciate your time. We've had a look at your uh, books this week. Brilliant marketing, great Mm. packaging, great branding. Um, You you would know in Adrian Cousins' book if you've seen it. Um, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your writing, your genre and your your writing practice? Yeah, so... um... It's time travel, obviously, um, but um, I suppose it's uh, it's time travel with a touch of humour. It's not too serious, um, and there's no sci-fi. Um, right. And I did try that on a, a Facebook ad once. I put uh, time travel without the sci-fi, and I've got to say the the tagline was probably the worst I've ever used. It was a complete. <laughs> Um, but, but that side, it, it literally is time travel. With it, there's no science fiction. It is just really kind of. Uh, English satire humour um, with with time travel, I guess. Um, I've had a lot of people say it's similar to, uh, I don't know if you can remember, Life on Mars, which was a yes. TV programme mm-hmm. uh, around the millennium. I'm not overly sure I'm, I'm too chuffed about being related to that because it, it isn't similar. But I, I do get it because it's set in the 1970s with all the problems of the 1970s, some of the political incorrectness of that time. Mm-hmm. which I do face into in into the books. Um, but, yeah, essentially time travel is is what it is. Um, the trilogy, the, the first three is a trilogy. Uh, then I have a standalone set in 1979. Um, and now I have um, more of a time leap uh, trilogy, which the first book came out last year, and the second one in that trilogy comes out in two weeks' time. Uh, and oh, then nice. I'm writing the third. So I've got I've got six books. Um, and I'm currently writing the seventh one at the moment. Wow, well, Fantastic. I think you've won me over with that tagline that didn't work in your advertising. Um, <laughs> time travel without the sci-fi is a winner for me. Um, and the first one, just before we get the question number one, is called Second Chance, is that? Jason Apsley's Second Chance, yeah. Jason Apsley's Second Chance, yeah. if you're interested in time travel without the sci-fi. Adrian, are you ready to face the seven questions? Yeah, no, let's go for it, yeah. Okay, Robert, let's hit him with question number one. Question one. Um, 
are you a full-time author? Yes, I am. Congrats. So um, I have absolutely no history in this industry whatsoever. Um, so I spent 40 years in the same industry um, and kind of had a bit of an epiphany in terms of, am I going to spend my whole life doing the same thing? You're only on the planet once and I just fancied doing something else. So I was, I was fortunate. I could, I could walk away. I didn't need this uh, to financially support me. Um, mm -hmm. And I just thought, I'll write a book. And I had no idea indie publishing existed, not, not a clue. I thought, I'll write a book. I'll send it to a few agents. Being quite a glass half empty guy, which is a bit annoying at times, <laughs> I fully expected that I'd just get rejected and that would be the end of it. But I'd written a book mm. and then I'd go and find a hobby or another job to fill the time. Um, it was only when uh, I emailed an author that I, I read quite a lot and I didn't expect him to reply, but he did. And I just said, can I have some advice about finding an agent? And he said, I'm independent. And I went, what's that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I went, oh, wow, you know, Christ, can I just do it myself? I couldn't believe it. Um, so um, wrote the first book, shoved it up there um, and, and, and just cracked on. I think I've just been really lucky is that whatever I wrote on the first book, people seem to like. So, you know, yeah. Oh, wow. Well done. Congratulations. And it's, it's probably unlikely you would take a deal now if a publisher no. came looking for you. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. even entertain the email. Well, I'm interested in how you became a success then. So let, let's let's get to it. Well, question two is um, explain to our listeners um, where your books are available. But are you wide or exclusive to Amazon? No, as, as I said, I, I am exclusive. Um, mm -hmm. Initially, I didn't know the whole thing existed. So just going on exclusive just seemed obvious to me. Um, I'm 60% KU, which... Yep. Oh, okay, what yeah. I hear from other authors is huge. Um, and in yeah. December, I sort of climbed up towards 70%. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, and to be honest with you, I mean, there's so much to do, isn't there? There is so much to do. Um, like you, David, I, I procrastinate. I write lists of stuff that I never fulfill. Yeah. Um, I've got post-it notes all over the place of stuff I need to do that I know today, I need to do that today, and then I don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and the thought of going wide it's just, well, I, I ain't got the time. I just haven't got the yeah. time. And, you know, like a couple of authors have said, I'm not hugely comfortable about this, but it is what it is. Um, I'm, you know, I'm late to the party on this uh, in terms of this writing career. So my career is going to be a lot shorter than perhaps some other people's, although I mm. intend to do this as long as I can. Um, so, you know, wide is something that I just, I just don't even consider at the moment. I just I haven't got yeah. the time um you know I think you know Rob you said last week about the best thing you can do or one I listened to a couple of weeks ago is to write another book and that and that's the bit I enjoy yeah. um you know marketing well you you, you you won't get anywhere unless you do marketing but it does my head in I, I can't yeah. stand it um I just like you writing don't. so you know <laughs> I do force myself to do the marketing bit but the writing bit is what which I enjoy really Oh, interesting. Well, we're going to get into marketing in a second. Um, be interesting to find out why you don't like it particularly. But what's question three, Rob? Uh, question three, Adrian, is uh, name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Yeah, so I had to think about this. So, I mean, there's quite a few, isn't there? But uh, I think Pro Writing Aid. 
Okay. So, oh, interesting. Um, never used it. Um, went to the SPS conference in London last year and had a stand, and I spoke to the woman. Um, and it was on a deal, so I thought, I'll get it. Now, I don't, I don't use it for the obvious stuff. I write my manuscripts. They're, they're as clean as I can get them. Uh, and then I load up Pro Writing Aid. And what it does, you know, I've done the spellings. I've done the grammar before that. Otherwise, it will turn into a monster. Um, yeah. But what it does, it, it highlights sentence structure, uh, flow of the book, where you repeat you know, repeat phrases, repeat start of sentence with the same words. Um, and I find it really useful for that. Um, you know, you can read your book as many times, you can have it played back to you and listen to it, but you don't pick up some of this stuff. And now at the end of the day, it's just a machine. It's just a program, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it, it's not a human looking at it, but it has, I think, developed my writing and helped. I think, honestly think if you used it before you've cleaned your manuscript, it would be a nightmare because yeah. it would just be covered in coloured pens, say, <laughs> error, yeah. error, you know, yeah. it, it would just be a beast that's, that's no good. But um, I, found it, I found it a great tool, really, really enjoy using it. Um, and sometimes I highlight stuff and I just shake my head at myself and think, my Lord, what, what am I like? <laughs> yeah. Where you've started perhaps three or four sentences with the word I, yeah. And you suddenly realise, yeah, this isn't good, you know. So, yeah, re really good. Um, I only used it on my last two books, but uh, definitely a great tool. Really good. It, it is a great tool and it's a great answer. I have used Pro Writing Aid and you're right. You do not want it to use it as an editorial assistant because no. you don't want them. But it's great, as you just said, Adrian, at um, highlighting bad habits that we mm. may get sucked into as independent authors. So that's it's a great shout. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pro writing aid. Now, how do you market your books is question number four, Adrian. But I'm going to add a B, a section B to that question. Why do you not like marketing the books? Yeah, okay. So how do I market? Um, it's probably 30% AMS and 70% Facebook. Okay. So okay. the vast majority is Facebook. Um, I've been doing AMS since uh, for probably about a year and a half. So, um, so I only, only wrote my first book. Uh, it's two-year anniversary is coming up um, next week. So I've only oh, been wow. writing two years. Wow, um, you've done a wonderful been... job in two years. Wonderful job yeah, in two I'm, years. I'm, I'm, I'm over the moon. I was speaking to um, Stephen Taylor, who you had on this, this show, yeah. Yeah. Um, just because we know each other through Lee Beddo. He narrates our that, books, which I think he does yours as well. He does mine as well, yeah. The audiobook king. And, um, you he know, gets about, uh, doesn't he? Stephen <laughs> was saying, you know, he, he, he can't believe how, how, how well I've done in the two years. And sometimes you don't know, do you? You have no idea how well you're doing. You know, it's yeah. a bit, uh, it can be a bit of a lonely job sitting here in front of, you know, my cave just typing away. But yeah, I am pleased in two years. So I've been using Facebook about a year. Mm. Um, fumbled my way through to be honest with you to start with um, yeah. but I, I, I kind of learned the platform now and I understand what works what doesn't work um, and I understand how to scale etc etc and I understand yeah. how to fail fast you know when something's not working I, I you know I'm pretty quick at getting in there and ripping it out before mm. money yeah. fritters away the problem I've got is that most of my comp authors are independent right mm. yes there is there is pretty much no authors on Facebook that I can target. 
Yes. Okay. And it's a tough one. I think you know we, the obvious one is the we always use the Reacher as an example. You know, if you like Jack Reacher, you'll like this book. Yeah, that's um, basically I, mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what Robert does. Yeah, and I haven't got that. Um, yeah, and yeah. you know, there, there just isn't um, a traditionally published author that aligns to my book. There's loads of independents, loads of them, but but nothing Facebook. So I have to get creative. I have to go down films. I have to yeah. look at stuff. It's interests. I, I like, you know, I grew why about why I write about the seventies. I grew up in the seventies. Um, so, you know, I, that's my school years. That's my first girlfriend years. That's going to the yeah. pub at 16 and drinking. All your you informative years. Yeah. That, that's going to see the clash live. You know, that's kind of stuff <laughs> is, is my, is my history. So I use those to target, um, you know, I targeted people who liked punk rock and you think of my books, what on earth has that got to do with time travel? Um, but it's really successful because I'm hitting an age group yeah. that liked punk rock in the late seventies, and if they're that age group, they may well like time travel that takes you back to the nineteen seventies. That's Most interesting. Most of the points so- I get about my book is the bit they like is the nostalgia. Yeah, that I bring to the book, and that takes a, a bucket load of research, but you have to get it right. You know, if people like the nostalgia, what you're saying happened in the nineteen seventies got to be accurate. So that can take a, yeah. a hell of a lot yeah. of work. But, yeah. but it is a frustration. You know, Facebook can be difficult because finding the audience is is the really tough. I mean, getting the copyright, getting the picture right, um, that's just trial and error, isn't it? You know, yeah, creative part of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, AMS, yeah, it runs in the background. I, I don't know. I find, I find it difficult. I find, I find it difficult to get any traction with it. Um, I need to put more effort into it, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah. uh, it, it just seems to take a lot of time. I don't spend a lot of money on it, um, but I spend lion's share of my money on on that. Um, I do BookBub um, feature deals, so I've had two in the last year. So I just Great. keep throwing them, and they and they work really, really well. You know, yeah, you can't argue against them. And I think um, Sally said last week, you just have to keep applying. She's right, you do. You just have yeah. to keep applying. Yeah, uh, and they do come through. Um, got burnt on BookBub ads. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. That that was uh, that was a complete no. That didn't work for me at all. So, um, it, it's predominantly Facebook. Why, why don't I like doing it? Um, I just like writing. Yeah. And marketing just takes too much time. It just yeah. sucks away time. Um, and I'd rather just sit down and, and write. So yeah. uh, that's probably the only reason I don't I don't like doing it. I don't. I, yeah. Also, I don't like the uncertainty of it. I don't like the fact is that will it work? Won't it work? I don't know. Yeah. I worked in an industry for 40 years that I knew and I knew what works and I knew what didn't work. And now I'm in this process of trying stuff. Um, yeah. and I find it really frustrating when it doesn't work. <laughs> but that's, yeah. just, that's just the beast, isn't it? It's just how it is. Wow. That makes sense. Total sense. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, Adrian, um, the episode that uh, this interview is going to be on is covers a lot of what you've just said there about what you don't yeah. like doing. So, yeah. so yeah. that's very timely. Um, but it's fascinating. I will say, like, fair play to you. I've got the easy task of, you know, um, targeting people like Jack Reacher and Tom Clancy, like major names. So going out and being creative and looking at ways you can tap into a target audience um, yeah. is is incredibly commendable. 
Um, so well done on that one. Um, yeah. Go straight on to question five. What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? Okay. Yeah, two, two things. I know you said one, but there's two. First one is very short. Is I wish I knew what could you what could be achieved ten years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, I just feel I've missed out on years, um, and there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, it just it frustrates the hell out of me. Um, although I enjoyed my working career, um, I would have got out ten years earlier if if, if I'd have known what was possible. Um, yeah. So, but, but you know that that's spilt milk, as they say, isn't it? So that, that's done. Um, I think the biggest thing is about getting organised. This is a business. I know everyone says it, but it is a business. I come from a business background. I come from a background where KPIs are key. You're held to account. Your feet to the fire. You don't perform. You know, um, you, you dealt with if you like. But um, so I come from a business background, and you have to treat it as a business. Um, Otherwise, you can't be successful. And when I started this, I thought I'd write a book. If when I finally found out that you could do self-publishing, I thought that my sister would buy one, and perhaps three or four mates might buy one, just to uh, appease me, and that would be the end of it. And I'd have yeah. put my thumbs up and said I'd done it. Um, so I didn't organise myself. It was chaos, utter chaos. So I didn't do anything uh, in terms of making sure I've got naming conventions on ads. I didn't do any spreadsheets to know which is my final, 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 final draft, final draft. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just utter chaos. And I, I, I saw this podcast and said, you must get organized. You must have all these plans in place. And I thought, I've only got two books. You know, it's not hard, is it? Um, so I didn't bother. So now writing my seventh book, I'm trying to unpick the chaos that I've created through no plans, uh, and just you know, sticky notes and and a notepad. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work. Um, so yeah, if if I knew that to start with, but I guess in, in my excuse on this one is that I fully expected to fail. Right. So with my expectation of failure, um, there came no reason to actually put an effort into getting to, to organise. You know, I, I've done some of the SBF courses and Mark Dawson quite rightly talks about get it right from the start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be good. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm only two years in. Fortunately, I'm only seven books in. I can crawl this back and get some organisation into stuff. Um, but I was looking at Amazon Attribution, um, which, which is a game changer on Facebook ads, by the way, absolute game changer. Mm. You know, where before you sort of stuck your finger in the air and hoped... This just yeah. changes the whole thing. And I was looking at it yesterday. And because my poor planning, my poor naming convention, I was struggling to match what I'd written in Amazon Attribution to the Facebook ad. Uh, and then I got uh, two of them mixed up. And then I had to sort of sit back and go, oh, no, that's that one, not that one. So that's just a prime example of how just not getting that right in the first place, I could have made a catastrophic decision yeah. and taken down the whole net. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's hindsight, isn't it? All of this is hindsight. Um, but, a lot uh, of hindsight. Yeah I, think yeah, I just wish I'd have been a bit more positive and thought maybe I will sell a few books. You know, back yeah. yourself, yeah. And yeah, you have to have belief in yourself. And learning as you go is 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 pretty much par for the course. 
um, as you just explained. And that leads us nicely on to question six, Adrian. What's your, what's your biggest frustration as an independent author? Yeah, um, I've got two again, sorry. One is I have to pick it up because I just think Sally mentioned it last week and it made me laugh. Um, and it was about um, being an independent author. So when I started, yeah. I told my wife I was going to write and I didn't tell anyone else. I told no one on the planet. And yeah. when it went live on Amazon, then I started to tell a few people. And I told a family member that I'd got a book written and I got it live on Amazon. And they were so excited, so excited. And they said, oh, you know, who, who's it with? Is it with Penguin or who, who, who's the publisher? And I went, well, no, no it's, it's me. I've done it. And they went, ah. Oh. I said, you're not, yeah. Really, yeah. you're not really an author then, are you? Ugh. And that hurt. That really hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is what it is and whatever, you know. Um, but they, that was a member of my family, and there, there was just a real like, uh, well, no, you're not really, then, are you? That's not real. Right. And I just know yeah. Sally mentioned it last week, which I thought was funny. But I've, I kind of got over it. It is what it is. That um, stigma, yeah. I think you said earlier, you know, would I take a deal now? It's unlikely. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely. You know, um, yeah. I'm very lucky. Great. I didn't need it. But with seven books, um, I make a living. I make nearly what I, you know, I earned when I was working. So. Well, why would I? Great. Um, I suppose the, the thing uh, I find most difficult is, and I think I said it, it's not being in control. Uh, 40 years in the same industry, I was in control. I knew exactly what I was doing. Now, because I don't know what I'm doing, I'm learning every day, which is great. Um, but I have to spend an awful lot of time listening to podcasts like yours and others, reading books, learning from experienced independent authors. Um, and I feel sometimes quite out of control um, in, in terms yeah. of what I'm doing. So every new system I get, I think, right, I'm starting from scratch and I have to learn, you know, MailerLite. So I use MailerLite. And when I started, you know, it might seem obvious to some people, but if for me it was just oh, everything was a struggle. Everything was difficult. I updated my website last week. Um, I use Wix, which is great, Yeah. Um, but I've never done it before. And something that probably someone else could do in about an hour took me two and a half days. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's a lack of control is probably my frustration. Um, but I guess yes. it's just learning and I'll get there in the end, won't I? I suppose, you know, so. That's it. And you don't outsource anything that you don't like doing? No. No, no. you'd like to no, learn as you go. Yeah, I format all my own books. I do everything. Uh, and the reason I do that is because you've got to learn, haven't you? Mm-hmm. I, I could yeah. I could give stuff away. Um, I'm, you know, now my books uh, are selling reasonably well. I could afford to pay stuff, pay people to do stuff for me. But actually, you know, I, I think your guest last week said they enjoy formatting, and I, I do. I love doing it. It's just really exciting that bit. The only bit I don't yeah. like doing is marketing. But um, <laughs> you know, it's the, so interesting the, what 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 way our brains work, isn't it? And we're all so individual in in the aspects that we like and we're good at, and compared to those that we just don't like. Yeah, we don't want to do. Yeah. It. I mean, I looked at Rob's um, sheet, which you sent out. You know, the the Christmas gift, and oh, I thought, yeah, yeah well, I need to use this because the, I need to get organised. <laughs> yes, um, but to be honest with you, I'd rather go and clean the toilet and fill that out. I really would. Oh, um, thanks. <laughs> I, I spent that time was, making that. Was that was a shit Christmas gift, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent time making that. <laughs> it's, it, I've got you. I'm determined to use it. I've got to use it because I'm more with yeah. you, David. I look at three. I look at three figures. 
Um, yeah. And I know that what Rob sent out, it just made sense. I thought this is this is really good. I've it got, will help you. If I get using this, then I'm on the track. And I will get my yeah. head around it. I'm procrastinating on it because it just doesn't float in the boat. It just, but nah, your brain doesn't but, work. Yeah, you're not, you're not an Excel sheet kind of guy. Yeah, uh, it's understandable. No. Absolutely. No, no, yeah. no, not at all. But uh, yeah, but it is really good, Robert. It's really good, and I will uh, I get to. It. You just said you'd rather clean the toilet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, don't even, I, don't, I don't even know if I want to ask the final question. Well, that's it, Robert. If to... you're still talking to Adrian, can you ask me question seven? Yeah, I'll just get this over and done with, shall we? I'm, I'm hurt now. Um, no, oh, it's all good. Um, question seven, final question, Adrian. Um, what's the one piece of advice uh, you would pass on to our listeners? Yeah, um, so I'm not going to sort of say what others have said because they're all correct. So, you know, the obvious stuff is your book cover, editor. Um, you know, you, you can't you can't skimp on them. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they are so important. We've touched on it has to be a business. Um, I've got a, a friend who started writing after me. I think he writes far better than me. I think his books are... Well, he's got two books. I think they're great. Um, doesn't treat it as a business, won't do marketing, doesn't sell anything. And, Interesting. And, I, and I've said to him, you, you, you have to do this because, you know, you're far more capable than I am um, and your books could be really out there, but he's just not, not interested in it. Uh, he just wants to write books and doesn't really want to get into running it as a business, which, um, yeah. you know, I think I've learned you're just never going to get anywhere unless you, unless you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one bit of advice was given to me by my editor. So I wrote, I started writing my first book in um, November 2020. And I found an editor and I sent it to her in early January 21, so two months later. Um, And it's 100,000 words, so then all my books are over 100,000. It's not sure. And she sent it back to me quite rightly and said, you need to do some work on this. Um, <laughs> she said, you know, that there is too much to do um, to, to get this right. right. And she said to me, what's the rush? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, what's the rush? And I said, well, I want to get out there. She said, you want to get the best thing you can out there. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. It doesn't have to be next week. Well, why does it have to be next week? Why does it have to be next month? And I said, well, it doesn't. And she said, slow down, calm down. She said, take your time and get it right. And what I do now, and it's really hard, is when I've got my manuscript to the absolute peak that I can get it, no one else has seen it, only me, is that I walk away for at least a week. I try and make it two, but I I get itchy and I can't. But if I can leave it a week, when you go back and reread it, it reads very differently. Errors jump out at you, like, you know, like a sore thumb. And also you see where you can improve your manuscript. It just, it just flies off the page at you or off the screen of you. Um, and I think her advice to me was, is, you know, yes, you can't procrastinate forever and leave your book and not publish it because you won't publish a book, will you? And you will never get it perfect because you just won't. Um, but it's really good just to walk away from it. If you're looking at it every day, every day, and then suddenly you think you're done before you send it off to your beta team or whoever, where it's going. Yeah. Um, I think you miss a trick. And I'm really quite disciplined in terms of it must be seven days that I just walk away, do something else before I reread it again. And I find that really helpful 
in, in terms of making sure my book is as good as it can be before it goes out to my beta team, um, you know, in terms of that process. So, um, yeah, I've learned from her, you know, take, take your time uh, and make sure it's as good as it can be. Because once it's out there, I know you can take it down and correct it, but once it's out there, it's out yeah, there, isn't it? It's out there, um, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, and but that's done. such sound advice. It really is great advice, that. Um, in fact, I think your answers to all seven of the questions are really going to help a lot, an awful lot of our listeners, Adrian. So we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with us today, especially for shitting on uh, Robert's Christmas gift. We really yeah, appreciate thanks. that. <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah. No, it is, it, is, it is excellent. I've had a couple of spreadsheets from other sources, and I used one for about, I don't know, about a month, and then I got a bit bored. Um, and then when I, when I saw yours, Robert, I thought, all right, let's have a look at this one. And I downloaded it, and um, I sort of scouted around it. I thought, yeah, this, this makes sense. And you talked about last week about read-through, um, uh-huh. and, and you're absolutely spot on in terms of read-through. Um, but it just helps you understand, you know, I can see the profit, um, and that's great. Uh, and all said and done but to be honest with you i don't really know where that profit's coming from yeah which is what robert's gift does um and if you don't look into the detail then you're missing a bit of a trick aren't you because you can tweak the bits that are good and and deal with the stuff that ain't good so it's just about it's about me getting myself sorted and application yeah Um, you've just you've just about clawed that back Thanks. <laughs> Save it. Save it. Um, absolutely. But to our listeners, check out Adrian Cousins on Amazon for absolute sublime packaging. And this is the guy who started two years ago. And what you'll find is thousands, thousands of sales and thousands of thousands of reviews. Adrian, congratulations on your success. And thanks for joining us today. No, thank you. Really enjoyed it. And uh, as I said at the start, um, I, I think your podcasts are really great. I think they're aimed at certainly someone like me, um, and I, you know, I enjoy listening to them because I, I learn stuff every time. And I, I love the seven questions uh, because every author you've had on so far, I've had a light bulb moment and thought, ah, that's a really good point. So really great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Adrian. Well, that was a lovely chat with Adrian, wasn't it, David? Um, what a gentleman. He is such a nice guy. And also, what unbelievable success he's had, and he's only been doing it, what did he say, like back end of 2020? Yeah, back end of 2020. Yeah, did he say two years? Because I've been looking at his uh, Amazon profile uh, because I knew we were having him on the show, and not in a million years would I have thought he's only doing this for two years. It's no. so professional looking and so on point. And he has thousands of reviews, which means he's had multi thousands of sales. And he is a great example of uh, how it can be done. Yeah, just of, of what's possible. Um, and again, it, it, a, a s- excellent example of why we want to have different authors appearing on our seven questions uh, so they can share their stories and share their advice and the things they've gone through to, to get to where they are. Um, and I think if any of our listeners are in a similar position and they want to get grilled by you and me or maybe insult you know, my spreadsheet like Adrian did, then uh, <laughs> you know, they can sign up uh, on the sign-up sheet on our Facebook group, which is Two Indie Authors. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to invite more um, 
authors onto the show soon, which would be fantastic. Yeah, we, we do have a few waiting in the wings, but it's only a few at the moment now. So I would urge anybody listening who would like to appear on the podcast to just sign that sheet. It takes two minutes. Uh, Robert has a sheet pinned to the top of the two in the authors podcast page on Facebook. That's it, buddy. That's the, the end of another show. Episode 13 now almost in the can. Um, what have you got planned next week before we, we, we do episode 14? Um, so um, I think I'm launching a book next week. Just launching a book. Just going to launch a book. Just throw that out there. Just like a, you know, whatever. <laughs> just uh, No, um, I've had my, obviously the book I did through NaNoWriMo um, and that my editor uh, managed to get back to me uh, before the turn of the year has now been proofed and it's pretty much ready to go. So, oh, wow. Uh, you know, I'm, one of those people of well why am I going to just sit on it um, yeah because once oh, yeah. it's well, done it could it's be like, making money for you let it make money exactly and um, I've got ideas for the next uh, book uh, which I'm thinking of starting and I'm also doing a fair bit of work on getting the Bermuda Jones series starting to run again because um, quite an exciting oh, right, that one. Yes. so yeah that'll be my focus for the next uh, week or so how about yourself uh, mine's my next week or my next couple of weeks is really all about it there's a lot of thrills going on so it's um marketing and and design we, we we i'm launching so the three books i've launched over the last 18 months that trilogy package is going to be released at oh, the nice. end of january so i'm putting all the finishing touches to to that um, and I've also been having a look inspired by you at some A plus content, trying to figure out what way to do it and if it mm-hmm. works and how it works. And um, so a lot of frilly bits to the business uh, is what I'm looking at over the next seven days. Well, have a lot of fun doing that. I'm going to have buddy. a lot of fun over the next week. I hope all of our listeners have a tremendous week and we will catch you next week. Oh,